Greetings and salutations, everyone. It's Rich Wilson. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Live. Today is March 29th, about 10 o'clock in the morning. We are on the eve of the Major League Baseball season. There are no games today. Uh, let's hope, fingers crossed, that nobody shows up on the edge or rotor world as having got injured packing their suitcases or boarding a plane or something. Uh, enough of the injuries already. Uh, I know I'm excited about tomorrow. I know all of you are excited about tomorrow. So let the games begin. Uh, today, though, we are talking prospects. This is our Just Prospect podcast. As I mentioned a couple of times, we are getting back to our normal uh, schedule of, of programming, which is our Sunday show, which is our flagship show that usually runs an hour and 15 to an hour and a half. Sometimes we go longer. Uh, during the season, it is waiver wires and closure reports and then the news and notes. That's pretty much the format. Uh, we have a Friday show with Tim and I record. It's usually about an hour and it is uh, 10 questions with Tim. So it's 10 questions that are on my mind and topics that we talk about and they can be anything. Uh, this Friday will probably be a lot of awards and what are we expecting of the season, etc. And then Wednesday, which is today, I usually do our Just Prospect podcast. Uh, last week, I did the NL rookies of prospects, not, not rookies, prospects that I'm very intrigued with this year. Not necessarily because I think they're going to be big breakouts, but maybe guys that have been around for a while, are they going to take the next step? But they all have question marks. I do like a lot of these players, and I will go through the ones I like, and then some I'm a little bit concerned about. Uh, I am doing the National League this week. Next week, we'll probably just take a look at those rookies who, uh, how they performed in their first weekend of baseball, their first uh, four or five games of baseball, uh, because then the minor league season should start the following week, and we'll be able to have some box scores to look at, and I will start doing the hot prospect of the week. So, without further ado, let's get into the American League forgot what I call these when I did the National League, but I originally thought they were sleepers and then they're not sleepers. They're just one player from each team that I'd like to talk about. The Baltimore Orioles, there's a number of guys here that intrigue me very much in terms of the kinds of careers they could have and the seasons I would like to see from them. But at the top of the list is Joey Ortiz. This is a guy that uh, after the pandemic year really got stronger. So he was one of the guys that actually got better during the pandemic, put on some muscle and last year got off to a pretty rough start, but finished up strong. And I don't think he's made the team, but he's right on the bubble in terms of uh, his opportunity to, um, to contribute this year. I do think that that Gunnar Henderson is probably long-term a better fit at third base. And you could see a battle really between Joey Ortiz and uh, uh, Jordan Westberg. Uh, Westberg being the higher-ranked prospect, the more um, explosive prospect. But Ortiz is the better defender and can really hit. Um, so... Um, in the last couple of months of the season, he hit well over 300 and well over 600 from a slug standpoint. So uh, I, I'm expecting him to be able to post kind of a 270 to 280 batting average with, you know, 
10 to 15 home runs, maybe more, and some stolen bases. So there's definitely some speed in there too. So it could be a really nice middle in, middle infielder long-term from a fantasy standpoint. Uh, and in potentially this year being a contributor. I know those who want Jorge Mateo to continue to steal bases at an enormous clip, particularly with the rule changes. I just think he is your classic utility guy, and either Ortiz or Westberg are going to move in. My bet at the moment is on Joey Joey Ortiz. I really want to see if what he did in the second half can carry forward. If not, then it might be time to just move on. I did add him in a number of dynasty leagues at the supplemental draft, so that's why he gets brought up. I'm very intrigued, but we need to see him carry forward with the year that he had, second half that he had last season. Boston Red Sox. Uh, One guy that I added a lot in supplemental drafts, it was Edinson Paulino, E-D-D-I-N-S-O-N, Paulino, P-A-U-L-I-O-L-I-N-O. He's a shortstop, probably more likely a second baseman, uh, and it's got plus speed. He's got some power that's starting to emerge, and also a guy that shows good plate patience at uh, when he's up for his at-bats. Uh, last year, he struck out 19.5% of the time and walked 12% of the time. He's still only 20 years old. Should uh, Last year, he was in low A, so he should see high A and potentially even double A if he continues to put together uh, what we saw last season. So he's a guy that is on my radar in terms of kids that I'm really thinking could explode onto the scene uh, this year and become even potentially a top 100 prospect. So a guy I'm pretty bullish on, but I think this is the year that we really should see if he's going to be able to carry forward and become a top 100 prospect or if he maybe uh, hangs a right and becomes uh, more of a you know, utility type of, of ceiling. Edinson Paulino, he was ranked number eight on the list. Chicago White Sox, I'm really interested in what Oscar Colas is going to do. I think there's huge power there. But my guy is Brian Ramos, B-R-Y-A-N, Ramos, R-A-M-O-S. He's a third baseman, makes really good contact. He's got a good approach. There's power that should be developing. Talked to a couple of evaluators actually uh, this spring who once again reminded me that they they think that Ramos is a guy that could be a hit and power guy. There's not a ton of athleticism, so he's there's not going to be any speed at all. But if you're looking for a kid who's relatively young, um, slug 471 in high A last year, hit 19 home runs, Brian Ramos could be a very interesting guy. The Cleveland Guardians. There's always tons of Cleveland Guardians to talk about. And so... Who did I go with? Well, I went with the 14th ranked prospect here, and that is Justin Campbell. If there's one guy on this list that I'm the most curious about, well, there's there's another one. We're going get, to get to him with the New York Yankees. Uh, who I'm most intrigued with is Justin Campbell. Justin Campbell was the Cleveland Guardians' second-round pick or supplemental first-round pick. I think he was taken 37, so that probably makes him a supplemental first-round pick. Uh, last uh, last July, he is a college kid out of Oklahoma. 
He's a big kid at six foot seven with a double plus changeup. And just so everybody knows, guys that have double plus changeups can have very early success in the major leagues. He also has great control through strikes, and he has a very good curveball. Now, what he is lacking, so he's got the secondary pitches, he's got the size, and he's got um, the control. What he doesn't have is a plus fastball. In fact, his fastball sits 89 to 91. So why is he intriguing? Well, he's got everything else, and we know what the Cleveland Guardians have done with Tanner Beebe, uh, Sean, uh, Shane Bieber, maybe you have to have a B in your name to make it work, uh, where they've increased their velocity and Bieber w- went on to win a Cy Young and, and Tanner Beebe went from an unknown to a guy that looks like he could be uh, somebody and could Justin Campbell fall into that next player? And I really like what I'm hearing. I am like what I'm seeing, but We'll know pretty quickly if he's still throwing 90-91, tapping out, then it's probably a pass. It's probably a back-of-the-rotation guy. But if they can get him up to 93-95, to which is I know sounds crazy, uh, but that's what they've done with these guys. They've added four or five miles of velocity, and all of a sudden, a guy with that kind of secondary pitches and that kind of control sitting 93-95 to with that size is going to be really tough to square up. He becomes very intriguing to me. I added him uh, in a couple of supplemental drafts, and then I added him just this past week in the first fab run because I, I think it, we're going we're gonna to find out soon whether it's real or not. And uh, that's why Justin Campbell has me very intrigued. Moving down to the Detroit Tigers, we have Parker Meadows. If you've listened to a number of my podcasts, both with Tim and just um, the Prospect Podcast, I've been talking about Parker Meadows. It's a kid that's is Austin Meadows' little brother, um, and you know, Austin Meadows has obviously been the more productive professional baseball player, but Parker Meadows is much younger. And kind of when he was drafted, there was a lot of discussion who would be the better player. And a lot of people, including myself, thought that Parker Meadows had a real strong chance to be better than Austin Meadows. And that's was when Austin Meadows with the Pittsburgh Pirates spring forward. And all of a sudden we got Austin Meadows going to the Rays. He has that really breakout season. And Parker Meadows really regressed and went the other way. Well, the Detroit Tigers uh, tweaked with his swing and tried to get him uh, a little bit more uh, swinging kind of low to high. In other words, trying to uh, add some loft to his swing. And it just didn't work. It messed up his timing. He went back to his old swing last season. And the results were pretty, pretty impressive. Uh, He also has had a very impressive spring, and given the fact that the Detroit Tigers are desperate for talent, and he was a second-round pick, I think there's a real opportunity for us to see him this year. So with as with all these other guys that, again, intrigue me because they've got a lot of the pieces in place, it looks like Parker Meadows has gotten off of the the desert of prospects and is now back on to the island of prospects and let's see if he can turn things around and really uh, put together a nice season so that he can once again become 
uh, the guy that we thought he was when they drafted him a few years ago. That is Parker Meadows. And by the way, totally bummed about a Kilbadoo not, not making it to the big league. So there's something that they do not like. The coaching staff does not like with a Kilbadoo. So it is looking like he's going to have to get a new change of address or Asia could be in his future in the not-too-distant future. It's a real, real shame. I can't believe that rookie season, the Rule 5 season, where he was one of the more impressive rookies in, in the entire class. I mean, how he could have fallen off as far as he has is just uh, really, really <laughs> amazing that that's happened. Uh, let's go to the Houston Astros. Uh, the Astros, we have Jacob Melton. He was the Astros' second-round pick last uh, July. He's very athletic, plus speed, and I think he's got enough bat speed to eventually hit for double-digit home runs. The swing is not great. The Astros are really good at this. At least they were good at it in the Luno days, and they look like they continue to be pretty good at really changing guys around to get the most out of their ability. Uh, Parker Meadows, back to him. I added him in a lot of supplemental drafts. I added Jacob Melton in a lot of supplemental drafts at this draft season. So I'm very intrigued uh, by Melton. But he's a guy that if he's not hitting enough and the strikeout rates are high come July, he gone. Right. So I'm not going to I'm not going to mess around a lot with Melton. He's a college kid. Uh, so let's see if he can hit high A pitching. And uh, that should tell the tale. But I'm very intrigued with that because there's some really fantasy-friendly skills. Let's take a break, get back, and uh, continue on with the list. Coming on with the Kansas City Royals was my seventh-ranked prospect, and that is Michael Garcia, M-A-I-K-E-L. Um, he's a kid that made it to the major leagues at the end of last season, actually played very well. Uh, very good kind of overall player. There is a plus speed, not a ton of power, can play both shortstop and second base, a very good defender at shortstop, but that's Bobby Witt Jr. spot. So long-term, he might have a, um, a ceiling of a utility player, particularly plays with the Royals, but there is skill there and the fact that he can, he can really hit, uh, and the speed kind of makes him very intriguing from the middle infielder standpoint. I do have him on a number of dynasty leagues, and if he makes it to the major leagues, uh, he is a guy that I'm very intrigued about picking up, uh, even in some of my um, non-dynasty league uh, rosters, because I, I think there is something there, particularly with the speed. But if he stays down in the minor leagues most of the season, then I think we might just have to move on from him. So again, as with the theme of all these guys, none of these players are big stars. They're all guys that I'm very intrigued with. Can they take it to the next level? Coming in with the Los Angeles Angels. Now, maybe this guy is a star potential. And that is Zach Nito. Zach Nito made it all the way to double A last season. It is the Los Angeles Angels. They like to push their guys hard. Uh, he is a hit first prospect. He has above average speed and enough power, I think, to hit you know, mid-single, uh, 10 to 15, 12 to 15 home runs and mid-teens. That's the word I was looking for, mid-teens home runs. Uh, he was the 13th pick last July, and 
given how quickly he progressed last season, what I'm looking for this this year is is this some a guy that's just going to blow through the minor leagues and we see him in the second half uh, playing second base or even playing shortstop because last I look, uh, I think it's uh, oh the the um, the the guy who's been there for a while. Uh, all hit, no power, a little bit of speed. Yeah, that guy. Uh, in fact, I just dropped him off a of dynasty league. Anyway, uh, he's been around. Fletcher, that's it, Brandon Fletcher. Um, so he's playing shortstop now. I think Zach Nito, boy, if, you know, given that it's Otani's last season, uh, most likely with the Angels, it would be great to get Zach Nito up there to see if he can help get that team to the playoffs. And, so what I'm looking for in him was last year's in a, a, a you know kind of uh, um, out of the norm where they just promoted him to Double A because they had nowhere else to put him and they wanted to kind of give him a, a look at higher level pitching or is this a guy that's going to start back in Double A and continue to zip through the minor leagues? That is Zach Nito, Minnesota Twins. It's Austin Martin. Boy, I've been very disappointed in Austin Martin. I just thought he'd be better, but the swing just lacks power. It's a contact swing. There's plus speed there. He doesn't really have a defensive home, uh, doesn't have a plus arm, so uh, third base or shortstop is probably not in the cards. His best position could be center field. That's where Byron Buxton plays, though. But now Buxton potentially is going to play more DH. Is that a short-term thing? If it becomes a long-term thing, then maybe Austin Martin can move to the outfield. I just don't know. I had him as a top 100 guy for a couple of years. Um, and, in fact, I, I forgot what year was it. It might have been the Torkelson year where I put Martin in front of Torkelson, which was dumb. Uh, but given how badly Torkelson's played, maybe it wasn't so dumb uh, in terms of guys that should go 1-1 overall in a um, Dynasty League supplemental draft. But I've been very disappointed with Austin Martin. I've been completely wrong on him. I still think there's something there that could be some fantasy goodness because he can hit, and that's the most important thing, and there's speed. The power is not there, which might make him a fourth outfielder utility guy, which would be very, very disappointing. Or it could make him Brandon Fletcher uh, to bring back that name. I think he's more than that, but we really need to see him turn it up a notch here in 2023, and I'd love to see him make it at some point to the major leagues. I did have him included in a big deal I did in one of my dynasty leagues, and uh, I'm just bummed out that he's just not progressed. He has been injured, but at, I mean, at some point, you got to stay healthy, too. That is Austin Martin. Uh, oh, not Brendan Fletcher, David Fletcher. Not. I just looked down. I saw his name as part of uh, as part of the the write up here. So yeah, David Fletcher. So what did I say here? Uh, the Twins can hopefully add some loft to his current flat swing, but he likes going the other way so much that it might be hard. Fantasy managers might have to adjust their thinking and compare his value to David Fletcher's. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. That is uh, Austin Martin, not Brandon Fletcher. Sorry, David Fletcher. So I don't have fan graphs up or roster resource up or any of that stuff. Just looking at players, just so you know. I don't have a producer whispering in my ear stuff I'm as I'm thinking off the fly here. Uh, sometimes the names escape me. I apologize. Um, New York Yankees. This, um, this is a guy that I'm very, very... So Justin Martin was the first guy that really intrigues me on this list. 
The next guy is the Yankees' Andre Chaparro, C-H-A-P-P-A-R-O. I saw this guy a lot in AA last year. He's a big kid, not all that athletic, can hit. I think there's going to be plus power there, but he's a right, right first baseman. That doesn't really, there's not a lot. I mean, you want big power from the left side at first base in general. Uh, so it's like, you know, I, I wasn't so sure, but... He had such a good season last year. I considered adding him in dynasty leagues, and then the the spring comes and he just tore up the uh, uh, camp. And I think it four home runs. I talked to some guys when I was down in Tampa. I stayed at the hotel that all the Yankee execs were in. I know several of those guys, and I had a chance to say, "What's up with Chaparro?" The, the guy was just effusive in his praise of this kid. And thought he was definitely close. To, to being in the major leagues, and they got Anthony Rizzo. If Rizzo gets hurt, you know, I know DJ LeMahieu potentially plays first base, but Chaparro could be a guy that um, has a big league career. So, but he doesn't. I mean, first base is not going to be a great first baseman, so it's probably really a DH. Is he a guy that they might move uh, to add a piece at the deadline and then he gets his chance? He could. But he hit 345 with four home runs. It's not the kind of guy I like to own because he is a a bad body guy, right? It's not a great body, but I've made the exception. I've added him in a number of dynasty leagues, and I want to see what happens here. His spring was so good, and the feedback I got from the Yankees was really, really positive. Um, Let's see the... um, Oh, the Oakland Athletics, uh, Daryl Hernandez is a, a kid that he is a kid that I'm very interested in. This year has made it up to double A. He was just uh, acquired by the Oakland Athletics. So that's why he did not make our list. Otherwise, he would have been pretty high on the list, probably in the top 10, maybe as high as number five. Uh, he's listed as a shortstop, but I think he's defensively probably moves to second base. I think there's a chance for him to be 10 to 15 home runs um, with some potential uh, walks. Now, he did get traded from the Baltimore Orioles, so that always does bother me because he was traded for Cole Irvin, who has had a good spring, by the way. And the Yankees really, it's the Yankees, the Orioles really know what they're doing. So to me, Cole Irvin goes up and maybe... Daryl Hernaiz, H-E-R-N-A-I-Z, goes down a little bit, but I liked him when he was with the Orioles, and I continue to see, can he build on with the Oakland Athletics? Probably not, because the A's just can't develop guys. Uh, Let's move on to the Seattle Mariners. We have Michael Arroyo, A-R-R-O-Y-O. He was in the DSL last season. Uh, He was a $1.3 million signing bonus kid in 2021. 49 games, he slashed 314, 457, 484, 16% strikeout rate and a 13% walk rate. He is just 18 years old. He was my, I think, emerging prospect for the, for the Mariners, and he is a guy that I added in a number of dynasty leagues, and I am ready to see him take the next step. Even if he doesn't this year, I'm probably going to hold on to him. Uh, just because he is so young and the skills look very enticing, and, and particularly his ability to hit. Michael Arroyo, A-R-R-O-Y-O. Um, let me uh, let me take a, my final break here, and when I get back, I will finish up the list and then tell you about a scouting trip I went on yesterday. 
Let's move on to the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, a guy that I added in a number of supplemental drafts. So, so I think there's a theme here. It was a theme on the American. These are guys that I've added in my dynasty leagues in most cases because I'm bullish on them and I want to see how they kind of work out. Now, these aren't the, you know, the Jordan Walkers of the world. We, we have a pretty good, I mean, we all want to see how they work out, but it looks like that's going to play out. Well, plus everybody, everybody has those guys rostered. Hopefully a lot of these guys, people don't have rostered. I like them. Doesn't mean they're going to work out. I've given you kind of time frames on all of these players in terms of what I, what I, uh, what I want to see in them in terms of the things I'm looking for, for them to get better in or just progress in or continue doing. And then kind of the time frames. Mason R A U E R Salmon the Fall League really really toolsy. He was a fifth round pick last season 2022. He's already in high A, so he's actually moving fairly quickly for a Ray. Um, stole 41 bases last season, hit 10 home runs. I saw the speed; it's real, uh, both in the outfield and on the bases. And there's some real intrigue there. Does show a field hit, does strike out a little bit too much, so there are some you know, concerns about how much he'll hit, but I think there could be something there, and I put my money where my mouth is, and I want to see what he does this season, whether he can build on that. Mason R, A-U-E-R. Uh, let's move on to the Texas Rangers. I just wrote Kuma Rocker and Jack Leiter. I did draft Kuma Rocker in one league. I was actually got him in the second round. I was pretty excited about that. Um, I saw him in the fall league as well. Big, physically, not phys, that's not the right word, just big athletic right-handed pitcher that just, again, when you see him come off the bus, you go, this is the guy I want. Um, He wasn't able to throw strikes when I saw him. Obviously a highly lauded and touted college player that uh, we all know the situation with the Mets and the injury, but I mean, the, the upside is pretty substantial, but what did the Mets see in that, uh, in that uh, medical? He didn't pitch well in the fall league, couldn't find the plate. What are we, we going to see from this guy? And I, I, I think 2023 is going to be interesting. I'm not sure it's a make it or break it type of season, but we'll find out if Coomer Rocker is going to be a starter or if Coomer Rocker is going to be a reliever. I think that's what we're going to find out. Now, um, Scott Bars is probably going to pitch a fit if he's moved to the bullpen, given his pedigree, et cetera. Um, but there is, a, like, there is a, a chance that that will happen. That's Coomer Rocker. We want to see what, he, what 2023 brings for him. Jack Leiter, I don't have any shares of Jack Leiter, and I would have because coming out of the draft, he was the top college pitcher coming out of the draft in 2021, right? 2000, yes, the last year. And I just think the Rangers pushed him too hard. They started him off in double A. I saw a game on MILB TV. In fact, I saw a couple of games on MILB TV, and he could not throw strikes. He's not a big guy to start with. It looked like he was overthrowing a little bit. The Rangers do not have a lot of success at developing pitchers. They've had to hire all their pitchers. Uh, see Jacob DeGrom, see John Gray, uh, Taiwan Walker. Isn't Taiwan Walker with the Texas? Is the Philadelphia Phillies. He may be with the Philadelphia Phillies. It's so hard to keep on. There's another big pitcher that they just uh, 
recently brought on. I can't. It's just the name. The other name escapes. But they haven't developed a pitcher in how long? I don't know. So that doesn't give me warm fuzzies on either one of these guys. But we need to see Jack Leiter uh, kind of regroup and come back to the player that we all thought he was going to be when he was drafted. And that is a mid-rotation starter, maybe a number two starter. Last year was not good. And uh, if that continues, then I think fantasy managers are going to be at a crossroads with him. Might have to make a very, very difficult and and surprising decision with Jack Leiter. And if you haven't figured it out, potentially to drop him at the end of the season. If it's another 475 ERA and double A walking four plus guys, I mean that that'll be a real bummer and a real problem. Following with the Toronto Blue Jays, Gabriel uh, Martinez is a kid that I really liked uh, coming in at the beginning of the season. He got hurt, um, but he showed the ability to hit and hit with power at the beginning of the season. Um, and I want to see if he can come back uh, now that he's healthy again and build on that beginning of the season. Now, we see see this all the time. We get these short um, sample sizes guys look really good for six weeks even two months even a half a season and then they can't carry forward with this but I do like Gabriel Martinez not going to be a ton of speed but hit when hit with power potentially a top 45 outfielder that is the list just real quickly Orioles Joey Ortiz Boston Red Sox Edison Paulino E-D-D-I-N-S-O-N Paulino uh, Brian Ramos with the White Sox, Justin Campbell with the Cleveland Guardians. He's he and the Yankee kid are the two most interesting guys on this list for me. Uh, Detroit Tigers, Parker Meadows, Austin Meadows' little brother, Houston Astro, uh, Astros, Jacob Melton, M E L T O N, uh, Kansas uh, Kansas City Royals, Michael Garcia, M A I K E L Garcia, Zach Nito, N E T.O. with the Los Angeles Angels, Austin Martin with the uh, Minnesota Twins, Andre Chaparro, C-H-A-P-P-A-R-O, Dara Hernais with the Oakland A's, H-E-R-N-A-I-Z, Seattle Mariners, Michael Arroyo, A-R-R-O-Y-O, and Tampa Bay Rays, Mason R. M-A-E-M, M-A-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-
but you can't get there from here, so you kind of got to go inland and then curve right. So it takes about 40 minutes to get over there. Um, and Oak Island is the is the real island, barrier island, that is connected to Southport, and that's where a kid named Walker Jenkins lives. Walker Jenkins is a six foot three, six foot four, 210, 215 pound outfielder uh, that is, depending on what list you look at, the number one ranked high school player or the number two or three ranked high school player. And given that he's basically in my backyard, I wanted to go out and take a look at him. So I made the trek about 40 minutes, uh, got there for 6.30 game. The game didn't start till 7, which was a real bummer. I think the JV game ran long. And I got a chance to see Walker Jenkins. And it was, I, I can't even begin to tell you how impressive it was. First of all, the kid is incredibly athletic, just a beautiful physical body, right? I mean, it is, it's, it's lean. It's, you know, even usually young guys like that, you see the athleticism, but his, his is pretty impressive. He's got a beautiful, absolutely beautiful left-handed swing. I don't want to, you know, it, it's shades of, of a little bit of Bryce Harper, a little bit of Christian Yelich, kind of that, you know, that, that prototypical left-handed power swing, kind of low to high type of thing, lofts the ball well. He doesn't quite have the Bryce Harper um, torque in his body. If you've ever seen Bryce Harper really analyze the swing, he gets that that twist in it, and that's where he gets all of his power, but it's close. Um, And he put on a display that was impressive. The first at-bat, just a hard-hit single up the middle, definitely a hundred plus kind of exit velocity. I, you know, there was no, obviously uh, they didn't have any of the baseball savant equipment there. Then his next at bat was just a moonshot home run. Uh, that was just beautiful. It was really exciting. Probably hit it three seventy five, four hundred feet, maybe, maybe more, uh, next time up uh, walk and the next time up got a double. So it was just an impressive outing from, um, Walk, Walker Jean, Jenkins, and then getting a chance to see him, you recognize what all the what all the hubbub is around. Did talk to a couple scouts that were there. Not as many scouts as I thought there'd be there. They said it was too cold, which, believe it or not, it was 62 degrees last night. But I don't know, man. The wind was blowing the wrong way. It was freaking cold. <laughs> so it it was. And so I talked to some scouts, and they said once the weather warmed up, there there'd be more. Uh, more evaluators there probably towards the end of April, the probably 50, 50 guys there, probably a guy from each team plus cross checkers and so forth. I mean, this is a, this is a big deal player. Uh, so I did talk, talk to them and it's, you know, they were just effusive in this kid's praise, uh, makeup just off the charts type stuff. Uh, very smart, like a 4.5 grade point average. So, uh, say works hard, good family, all that kind of stuff that that you want to hear, uh, and then obviously gift it uh, physically as well. Um, then I got to talking. I said, "Look, I went to talk to a guy who I knew in the fifth inning." I said, "Here, here's my concern. Tell me, tell me what you think." I said, "This is terrible baseball. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you." how bad the two teams I was watching. It looked like a Little League baseball. Uh, 
the South Brunswick guy was probably throwing 82 miles an hour, and the opposing guy threw a little harder, maybe 84, 85. No secondary pitches, no control at all. I, there was error after. It was literally the bad news bears. I go, I mean, we're we're talking rural North Carolina. When you live on these barrier islands, the barrier islands are really nice. Not, but mostly older people live there that don't have children. I know I live on Ocean Isle Beach, North Carolina. And the average age is probably 70 on the island. And there is a bus that comes and picks kids up. And it's one bus. And it's not full. It's one of those little tiny buses. And it's for all ages. And they take them to the different schools and drop them off. So it is. there's not many people that live on the barrier islands. Most of the people live uh, inward. And it's very rural. And there's not a lot of money in, in these rural areas. And you go, well... What do you care about? Are you an elitist and stuff? No, but to be, when you play a skills sport like baseball, golf, you got to have money to send these kids to um, to camps and et cetera to kind of get them, you know, the, the get the uh, their skills to a certain level. And you get into these rural areas and you, you, you get bad baseball. It, it just, the fact you might have incredibly athletic kids, but they just, it's tough for them to play a skilled sport. And this is what you find in in rural towns all around, all across America. Now, there's always exceptions. Don't tell me Miletus and things like that. Just tell me what I've been told by scouts and what I've experienced uh, myself. So I'm like, how good is the competition for Jenkins? And he says, terrible. I mean, it's tough to get a read. And that's why there's not a lot of evaluators also here early. uh, Because, I mean, they're looking at a kid... um, playing in a cold weather environment, colder weather environment with bad pitching, they'd rather just see him once everybody is warmed up and maybe get a better read on the kid. So that was my big concern, seeing this guy against, it was literally a men amongst boys. I mean, physically he was bigger than everybody else. Well, there's a couple of the guys that were maybe his similar size. But in terms of athleticism, etc., it was, uh, he's, was so far in front of everybody else. Sometimes when you go watch Florida baseball, California baseball, Texas baseball, where you get these warm weather climates and you get the big cities that are there, you see phenomenal baseball. I mean, particularly some areas in Florida uh, where there might be academies that you're pulling from. And these these guys really play great baseball. But you get uh, like even parts of New Jersey where, you know, there's plenty of money, but it's cold weather and the kids aren't very good and the teams aren't very good. So it's a really tough it's tough to get a read on some of these players. You get a better read when they go to perfect game and they play in the in a lot of the showcases, which apparently Walker Jenkins has done a lot and is 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 played extremely well. So that was my only concern, and a lot of nodding of the evaluator that I knew said, "Yeah, that's that's the problem when you get into these little towns." Uh, you know, the quality of baseball is not great. Now, they were playing some some uh, teams from Wilmington. That's part of their, their region. So there's a, a little bit more diversity up there, a little bit uh, bigger schools. Uh, so, so, in fact, the team that they were playing last night was from Wilmington, but it wasn't it wasn't very good at all. So I don't know. So anyway, so that's that's my one reservation. And you'll probably hear that on draft night in terms of, well, sometimes they don't give you any kind of negative at all. They just effusive praise for the guy, but he's athletic plus power potential, real feel to hit. 
he's got I'm gonna call it average I didn't get him uh, time on him going down the first base or anything like like that last night but just seeing a move he looks like he's got average speed and he's a big kid so he's gonna slow down as thing go as time goes on but I think you're looking at a guy that's gonna go as a top five to seven maybe top ten player next in the draft I think you're looking at a definitely a big a big leaguer with 25 plus home run potential and a kid that's gonna hit and with really good plate zone judgment, I saw that last night. Again, pitcher wasn't that great, but I was uh, backed up by the guy I knew who, who said the same thing. It's this really good eye at the plate. And the only thing he probably won't have is a ton of speed. So maybe early in his career, five to eight stolen bases and, you know, kind of a, a guy that's it's probably going to low single-digit stolen bases by the time he's mid-20s, and then he's not going to steal much at all as he moves on. But a very, very intriguing athletic guy that uh, I I thought was very, very impressive. So that was my, um, my uh, venture out last night. And look, I see a lot, because I work for scouts, I see a lot of uh, high school baseball. So I'm used to... Some of this, but I've seen more of it up in New Jersey. And last night was, whew, <laughs> it was really tough, really tough to watch, man. It's just, golly. I've seen some, uh, again, I'll say it, say it again, I've seen some Little League games where the, the fielding was better. <laughs> it was, was really remarkable in terms of uh, error after error. I mean, pop-ups dropped. Pop, multiple pop-ups dropped. Like one guy hit his back of it he club closed his glove to her hit his back back of his glove and then popped up in the air then he called him like it's like wow okay so uh anyway so that was uh it's fun i encourage everybody to go out catch college games catch high school games just watch baseball and make evaluation particularly go watch a high school game if there's a player who has a chance to get drafted it doesn't happen that often uh, I mean, you figure 20 rounds, half of those players are college kids. So if you're talking from a high school standpoint, you know, it's 10, it's 20 rounds now. So that's potentially 300 high school players getting drafted, scattered across 50 states, with most of those being in California, Florida, and Texas. Just, just not a lot of guys that get drafted. So if you've got somebody who has a chance to get drafted, particularly in the top of the draft, like a Walker Jenkins, you got to go see him because it could be a kid that makes it to the major leagues and you'll be able to say, I saw that kid when he was 17 years old in high school. And it's just a, it's a cool thing. By the way, talking with some of the parents, that parents are just like, they refusive in his praise, which you hope they would be and they were. But uh, fans are really into it. They know that there's something special there with this kid. And uh, it was cool to see. That's it, guys. Uh, I will be back with Tim on Friday. Until then, be well.